This week, this whole past week, uh, God has really been gripping me with something, and I really want to share something that is passionately on my heart tonight. Last week, so a week ago today, on Wednesday, my wife and I were driving up to see her family, uh, and I began to ask the Lord, because I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to speak on, but I knew that the Lord could change it at any moment, and of course He does. Um, And so I began to pray, and I began to ask him what he wanted to say, and, and he gave me these words, and this is the foundation for everything, and we're going somewhere, but I want you to listen to me because this is very powerful and strong. This is what he said to me, Caleb, I want the people who hear you next Wednesday to understand the affections of my heart towards them, and for them to understand Not only the affection, but the intention behind my affections. And I began to ponder that for an hour or so as we were driving and and just couldn't talk because it was gripping me. And and he brought me to this. He said, Caleb, what do you believe about me? And this is the question that throughout the Gospels, God, Jesus brought up time and time again, what do you really believe about God. And, and I'll show you what I mean in a minute. But right away, in the most popular verse that we could possibly think of in our Christian faith, John 3.16, we immediately hear these two things, the affections of his heart and the intentions of his heart. So right away, we hear, for God so loved. Boom. Right there. Affection. Very first thing that we hear. He is affectionate towards us, and he loves us, and he cares about us, and his passion for us is deep. We know it is deep because right after that he says, for God so loved that he gave the most precious thing to us, his only son. That, okay, here's the intentions, that we might know him. says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have what? Everlasting life. There are two actually statements there. It says that they will not perish and they will have everlasting life. A lot of times we group those flat together and we, we see them as two sides of the same coin. As, you know, you're not going to die and you're also going to get eternal life. It's, it's a two sides. But the truth is the you are not going to perish part speaks about the eternity that we're going to spend with God. But there's a second part that you're going to have an everlasting life. That actually speaks to the here and now. That actually speaks to what we're doing right now. Being in the presence of God, fellowshipping with Him, and being able to receive the the amazing presence of God in our lives right now. That is the eternal, uh, that is the everlasting life that He talks about. But there's a central teaching throughout this whole thing, and it is what do you believe about God? Because that is the key to unlocking the mystery of heaven. What do you really believe about them? Because I'll give you a great example. If I have wrong beliefs about God, I will not do the things that he wants me to do. If I have wrong beliefs, the fruit in my life will not be there, or it'll be the wrong fruit. Hey, 
I'll give you an example. If I don't believe in the faithfulness of God completely, then I will always have trouble giving over my finances to him. If I don't trust him completely as my leader and believe wholeheartedly he's the leader of my life, then I will not even be listening for his voice because I don't want, to, I don't want him to tell me something I'm not already doing. I don't want to follow because I don't believe that he is a good leader. And there's a whole other one. Oh my goodness, the goodness of God. Some people, and I know you, this is hard to believe, and as Christians it's really difficult, but sometimes we don't even believe in the goodness of God. We don't believe that he is a loving, affectionate, good God that is, has amazing intentions for us. You know what? Sometimes we've been hurt, and sometimes it's hard to really trust somebody, especially someone who's called Father. Because you know what? Our fathers sometimes can hurt us. Our physical fathers can sometimes hurt us. And we take that hurt, and we put it and project it onto God, and we say, God's like that. We don't really believe in his goodness because our father maybe wasn't as good to us as we thought he should be. And we don't really buy into this belief that he's good. I want you to, I want to, I want you to turn to Matthew 16, verses 13. This is the, one of the most central teachings that, um, that shows this in the Gospels. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of, uh, yeah, you can fill in the light. He asked his disciples, saying, What do men say, or who do men say that I am? Who do men say that the Son of Man is? So he starts out on the edges, he's, he, and I want you to ask yourself this question, who do, you say that God, who do you say that God is? But understand what you say doesn't necessarily mean it's the exact same as what I say. And he's asking right here, what do other people say about me? I want to know, what are, the, what are the people around that are listening to me, that are walking around with, what do they say? And all of them replied, some say John and some, uh, the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and some even say just you're one of the prophets reincarnate come back to life. And here's the second question that he asked, and this is the question of our lives. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? What he's really asking is, what do you really believe about me? You spent time with me now. You've seen who I am. This is chapter 16, so we've got, I mean, at least 14 chapters in there. Uh, 13, uh, how many? 13, 14 chapters in there of Jesus being with his disciples. There's a ton of time in there. Sermon on the Mount happened in chapter 5, so at least 10 chapters of him being with him and spending all this time. So then he wants to know, what do you say about me? What do you really believe in your heart of hearts? And, and the, the before question and this question is two separate things because of this. The first question asks, who do others say that I am? And this one says, who do you say that I am? And the difference is this. We can't live our lives going off of what other people believe about God. We can't live our life just repeating what a pastor says, just repeating what our favorite teacher says, just do, going off of what your parents said about God, you have to go beyond that. What do you say about him? What do you really believe about him in your heart of hearts? So Peter, 
faithful Peter, he gets up and he's like, I got the right answer. Says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Ding, ding, ding. Congratulations. We can all go home. That's the right answer. He got the right answer. But Jesus says something after this that is so powerful. And this is not working. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you, Peter, and I want to stop right there for just a second, um, few chapters before, Jesus had called out Simon, his name was Simon, and gave him the name Peter. Peter means rock, or the rock, or a rock in Greek. And so, when we look at this, we see, he says, uh, I also say to you that you are a rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, this statement jumped out to me, and on this rock I will build my church. That means we're here today because of, of a foundation that Peter just experienced right there. But here's the problem. Many times this has been translated because of the translation of Peter and Jesus calling Peter the rock. Many times we pass off this verse as what Peter, or what Jesus was really saying was, Peter is the foundation of the church. Peter was the beginning and he's the foundation of the church. Unfortunately, this is a very huge misconception because while he was hugely foundational in building the church, the foundation can never be in a man besides Jesus Christ. The foundation of what you live your life on and what you believe cannot be of anything other than Jesus Christ. So us saying that Peter is the foundation of the church is a little bit off. What it's really saying is this. He says, you are a rock, which means this revelation that you've gotten, that you know that I'm the living God, this is a foundation. And on that foundation, I'm building everything. On the foundation of what you really believe about me, I'm going to build everything. I'm going to go out from there and everything. I want you to look... Um, you look at 1 Corinthians 3.11, if you have your Bibles. It says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is in Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. We cannot put our foundation in a man. We cannot just go off of what a man says. I love the, the worship tonight because it was all about getting our eyes higher and seeing, and seeing him lift your eyes up, see who he is. Not just look to a man, look higher. Um, one of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer. And he had one of the most amazing relationships with God that I've ever seen. And I've read many of his books, and, and if you want some amazing reading, um, two books I would, I would highly recommend is The Pursuit of God and The Knowledge of the Holy. These two books are, were life-changing to me. But Tozer says in The Knowledge of the Holy... He says, your walk with Christ, or your um, understanding and, and revelation about Christ, and what you really believe about him is of the same 
importance as the foundation is to a building. So if I don't have the right belief about God, my foundation is cracked. If I don't view him rightly, if I don't view him as the good, loving, affectionate, kind father that he is, I have a cracked foundation. I actually had this quote in here. Second one he says, and this is, I put this on Facebook today because I just could not get it out of my head. He said, 10,000 lesser problems are solved when we come to a, the right understanding of God. All the little stuff, it pales in comparison to the problem we have of not understanding who God is. And it's not just understanding, but not buying into it and believing it. Because let me tell you, if I believed everything that God said about himself, I would not look like the way I am today. I'd be completely different. Every, my entire life, I would be completely trusting. I would be completely honest with everybody. I would can be so much different than how I am because I completely wholeheartedly believe in who he is. But it's, it's a process and it's a struggle and it's a fight. And every little thing we come up against has 10 million layers that we can't even understand. And we have to get through one to the next to the next because I, when I step into, all right, God, I really believe that you love me, then he says, all right, you love me? Tend my sheep. Ah! I didn't want to have to deal with anybody else. I just wanted to be you, me, and you, God. I don't want to deal with anybody else. You love me? Tend my sheep. Ah! All right, so I do that. And I begin to, I step into the realm of, oh, you freaking out? I'm, she's freaking out. I'm going to step off the stage. Okay. <laughs> and I get to the next realm where, all right, I'm willing to involve other people and talk to people and, and maybe become a mentor to someone else. And then he says, guess what? Now you're going to have to go love your enemies. Ugh. A whole nother level, a whole nother layer where we have to begin to believe in, in, in his love completely all over again because if I don't have his love in my heart, how am I ever going to give it to anybody else? I've got to receive more love. And it continues on and on like that. Alan Hood is someone, uh, he's from, he now dwells in IHOP um, in, out in Kansas City. And he had a vision one time where laid out before him was just this sea of crystals, all broken up shards of little crystals. And it, was, it went on for as far as he could see. And he could, couldn't see the end. And, and Jesus came to him and he said, pick one of those up. And he went and grabbed it and he looked at it and he said, what is this? And Jesus said, it's what you know about God and it'll sustain you for the rest of your life. Now look down. It's endless. It's endless. And our greatest calling is, all right, let's go search this out. Let's go find out what he says about himself. And these three questions, when I was 17, my world got rocked when I went out to IHOP at Kansas City. And I, got, I came home with these three questions burning in my heart. And every time, I, I'm, and I'll tell you this, this got me out of depression at 17 years old. Serious depression. Like parents take away my car keys depression. Yeah. That kind of depression. And this rocked my world. Because I heard him tell me he loves me. And I came back and I said, God, I want to search after you with all of my heart. 
you love me, I don't understand why. I've got to go after this. So I began to ask these three questions. Who is God? Because I've got to go find him. I've got to go search after him. Who is Jesus? And what do they say about each other? And lastly, what do they say about me? Now let me tell you, the order of this is important. Because many times we dwell in a place where we say, all right, the important thing is what he says about me. But there is a before that. It is not just what he says about you. Most of the Bible is talking about him, is displaying his heart, is displaying who he is. And actually a very small section that we have to search really hard for finds out how we're supposed to be. And there are endless oceans. Um, Job 36, 26. Behold, God is great, and we do not know him. Psalm 145, verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. He's just so good. And it, I mean, I could give you verse after verse of how he talks about how good and how great, how loving, how faithful, over and over and over again. And the truth is, as we sit here and we think, all right, there's a five-step program to better finances, and there's a three-step program to how to get my marriage better, and all these different things. And he's looking at us and saying, why aren't you talking about me? Why aren't you searching after what I am and who I am? This is the central thing in the gospel. What do you really believe about him? How far are you willing to go to find out? Are you willing to lay down? And I'm sorry, I don't mean to step on any toes. When I say that problems in marriage, there are solutions in the Bible. Problems with your finances, there are biblical solutions. I am not pushing those out the door in any way. But he said he was going to build his church on what people believe about him. Not on how we spend our money at church and not on how all these other things. That is the fruit. We have to go back to the beginning to see his affection toward us is that he loves us. And his intent, be with me. Know my heart. Experience me. Connect with me in a completely different way that you never have before. I want you to look at Hosea 6 for just a second. This is a cry that Hosea had for, and he was just so passionate about. He said, come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will raise us up. After two days, he will revive us. That speaks of two days in the tomb. And the third day, he will raise up. He will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. He would be able to see us. And thirdly, let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. You know what the rain speaks of? I know that it's rained in history. I know that it'll rain soon, and I know it'll rain in the future because God promised it. That's what he set up. He set up the world to work like that. 
Even after the crazy flood that happened, you know what? It still works like that. And he said, he is like that rain. He, is, he was there in the beginning, he's there right now, and he's there in the future. And you know what? We are going to have to pursue him because we don't even understand the, not, un, the concept of time. I wasn't there in the beginning. I'm inside of time, and he's outside of it. He's just so amazing. And trust me, if you begin, I know it's crazy, but if you begin to think about how he stands outside of time, it blows my mind. David sang a song. He said, oh, shoot. I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> um, oh, it says, in your presence, O oh God, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know what those pleasures are? Who he is. Who he is is a pleasure because we get to experience him. When, the first time that I heard him tell me that he loved me rocked my world and I cried for hours because it was, it was becoming real. I was beginning to believe it. But we've got to have a way to do this. We have to ha be able to wait to start seeking after him, to start going after this central teaching that he talks about. We're going to have to go somewhere with him. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Our God is beautiful. He is majestic and glorious. The angels, for, from the beginning of time till right now till the end of time, sing about it constantly. They worship and fall down on their faces just at one glimpse. He set up four living creatures with eyes everywhere just to look at him. That's their job description. Look at me. Because your mind will get blown over and over and over again. Moses couldn't even see his face. He had to be hidden in a rock and he, could, he saw the backside and his face was glowing for a week. I mean, physically light coming out to where they said, cover your face, man. He's beautiful. It says, Jesus' eyes are like flames of fire. His hair is white as snow. He's beautiful. And the God of this, the God of this word, the God that gave us an amazing word to search, seek out after, like I preached two weeks ago, he wants you to seek hardcore the Bible. He wants you to go after it with all your heart. But he, he desires with a passion for you to experience him. For real. That you would really experience his heart. And you know what? He told me we were going to do that tonight. With this one thing. 
there's a calling on your life that was set up from the beginning of time. And it was that one thing that, that Psalm 27 says, to seek after the presence of God, dwelling in his house day and night, to behold his beauty, and to inquire in his temple. You know what inquire in the temple means? You sit there and you ask, and you go more, and you go deeper, and you go deeper in him. You want the best source of entertainment in your entire life? Start thinking about the eternity of God, how eternal he is, that there's no, there's no end. Start thinking about how he is everywhere. You begin down one thing, just one thing, and it leads you on this road that will transform your life. I started with love, and to be honest, sometimes it's the best one. Because his affection is what started it all. It says, for I loved you, so I gave. My affections are towards you, so I give. But my intent is not that you take that love and you think about yourself. How wealthy am I? How much do I have under control? He said, I want you to know me. I want you to seek after me and search after me with all your heart. So tonight, we're going to find out one thing about God. And that one thing, we are going to begin to worship him for. Because you want to find the best place to start worshiping? Find out who he is. and Worship him for that. Go open your Bible turn to a scripture, find out who he is, worship him through that place. I know it seems like, oh, that should be really easy. But it's hard. So we have to work on it. We have to go after it really hard. We have to try. I know this is a little unorthodox, but if you don't mind, we're going to go back into worship for just a minute. But here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to close your eyes because before we start, we need to find this one thing. I want you to begin to think right now of one thing that you absolutely know to be true about God. There is no doubt in your mind. If it's his love, great. If it's his faithfulness, if it's his mercy, if it's his goodness, whatever it is, grab hold of one thing. Think about that for a minute. And then we're going to worship him because of that. That is the beginning of worship right there. You want the purest form? says, worship me in spirit and in truth. You know what the truth is? Who he is. The truth is who he is. Not even what we say about him because sometimes we get it wrong. 
It's who he is. Tammy, could you come up? Just play. So I want you to dwell on this. I'm going to give you a few seconds. But I want you to find one thing. If you need to open up your Bible to find it, okay. But I really want you to find one thing that you absolutely know to be true about God. Because it's going to take you on a journey that the gospel intended for us to take. we worship tonight and we close this out. I encourage you worship him from that one thing. Go on that journey with him. If you feel comfortable and you would like to stand, feel free. If you need to sit, I understand, feel free. But we're going to worship him tonight because he's worthy of it. And that one thing that you're thinking of, he's worthy of praise for that thing. He's so faithful. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so patient and kind. All the fruits of the Spirit, he is every moment of every day. It's who he is. He doesn't even have to act like it. Just he, it's who he is. So let's worship him for that. I encourage you, if you want to speak it out of your mouth, you can. The very first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you want to show him the ultimate love, get to know him. Find out what he says about himself. Find out who he is. What he says in his word, grab hold of it and never let go. Father God, I praise you for your faithfulness. I praise you for your faithfulness towards us. I praise you for your excellent work that you are doing right now in our hearts. I praise you for your mercy towards us that you saved us. I praise you for your love and the intentions of your heart that you, you came down and you showed us that you love us. Lord, I praise you 
that you desire us to be with you because we don't deserve it, Lord. I encourage you as you go, don't, don't let go of this thing. That one thing, don't let it go. You found a place where you can worship in spirit and in truth. Now go forth and worship him in spirit and in truth. And then maybe in a week, maybe in a month, I don't know. I've been gripped for three months on one word. One word gripping my spirit where I couldn't get it out of me for three months. If that's what it takes, okay. And then move on to something else and worship him from that place. Find out what's absolutely true about him, go for it. Worship him in that place. And go till it stops. But guess what? It doesn't stop. It won't. Because he's unsearchable. You'll never find the end. And that's amazing. And that's what's so good about him. Father, as we close tonight, I thank you for this calling that you have placed upon our lives to worship you in spirit and in truth and to search out and find out who you are. I ask that we would continually be able to do this from the moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep, that our hearts would be turned to you and that all the time we would be worshiping and praising you because we know you to be faithful and we know you to be loving and we know you to be true. Be with us as we go and keep this one thing that we've grabbed hold of in our hearts. Help us to not let it go and help us to come into a new place of worship with you out of this brand new revelation. We lift up your name, Lord. You're worthy of it all and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Have a great week.